Welcome to the College Football Bros, the podcast that will someday stop calling USF UCF. And now, here are your hosts, Matthew, Randy, and Dre Newman. Welcome to the College Football Bros podcast. I am Michael Newman, and I'm joined by the brother who has a losing record in the Pick'em League. Yeah, that, that's been a little bit of a rough start for me. I'm well under 500. That's me, Ryan Newman. And by the other brother who also has a losing record in the Pick'em League. Man, do I? Oh, that's Trey Newman. It's by, by like one game, so Michael, you're right you're, there. You're killing it. Oh, really? I was hoping that didn't come up. I'm just... Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. Thanks for saying that. I'm in first place, though, <laughs> just, just so everyone knows. Um, on today's show, we are going to talk about the most over and undervalued teams three weeks into the season. We're, of course, going to preview the week four slate, which is loaded, best week of the year so far. And then at the end of the show, we will read six new five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for sending those in. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at CFB Bros, on Facebook, facebook.com slash college football bros, and on Instagram at college football bros. But let's start out with uh, a brief week three recap. And we'll start with Pitt at Penn State. Trey, break this game down. And also, I want to know where you have Penn State now in the, the Big Ten East pecking order. Okay, fair enough. Well, as far as the game, Penn State, they held on to win 17 to 10. Pitt had a last second Hail Mary fall incomplete. and But really, the whole game came down to Pitt's series with five minutes left, with them trailing 17 to 10. They had first and goal at the one. Penn State did a good job. They held them on first, second, and third down. But then Narduzzi decided to kick a field goal from the one-yard line, (laughs) which was already a terrible decision. But not only that, they ended up missing the field goal. It doinked off the upright. Now, I've said it on the podcast before how I'm just not high on Pat Narduzzi at Pitt, but this pretty much clinches my thoughts on it. Yeah. I mean, this isn't even really a case of hindsight's 2020. I mean, it was a terrible decision even if they made the field goal. It was just awful. I mean, what did you guys think? Oh, it was terrible. I mean, yeah, like you said, there's five minutes left. You've put up 10 points the whole game. It's very unlikely you're going to get a better chance to score a touchdown, which you need. You need a touchdown. You're not going to get a better chance than this. It was I mean, inexcusable, really, for a college coach. There's just no. And he and he even like today in his press conference, he doubled down, saying it was it was still not. He's not like fully admitting it was the wrong move. That's a coach's move. Mm-hmm. But okay, well, onto a, a brighter note, I guess. As far as Penn State is concerned in the East, honestly, though, maybe it's not so bright. I'm I'm not taking them as a serious legitimate threat in the east at, at the moment they were down 10 7 at half to buffalo last week they woke up in the second half and and destroyed them and then Pitt really stifled them and that kind of surprised me clifford he was below 50 percent this past weekend he's been sacked six times in the last two games the offense just really isn't isn't humming at, at the moment and the competition is just going to get even more difficult yeah i i kind of agree with you i i'm not optimistic about that offensive line it's looking like an issue they struggled to run the ball last week and then you know this week against Pitt Pitt had a couple you know they've had a couple big injuries on that defensive front and yet Penn State really didn't have much success on the ground so um, yeah right now I'd have I mean Ohio State number one I think we all agree by a decent margin in the east and then for me I'd have Michigan then maybe a, a tiny drop to Penn State, another tiny drop to Michigan State. But those three teams, 
are all fairly close. I would give Michigan a little bit of a nod over those two. Um, yeah. But I would put Michigan State and Penn State on the same level. I there's, We're splitting hairs there. They each have a really good defense. Penn, Michigan State's probably a little better. But flip side, Penn State's offense is probably a little better than Sparty. So I, those teams to me are just dead even. I can't separate them. All right, let's move on to Florida at Kentucky. Just another heartbreaking loss for Kentucky against Florida. Although they did get a win last year, thankfully. But uh, Florida came back Every for 20-something years. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, Florida came back from down 21-10 to 10 in the fourth quarter to win this one, 29-21. Ryan, what happened here? What happened to Felipe Franks? Well... He got hurt, Mike. Did you know oh. that? Well, I, the, the question was a knowing question. I just wanted you to talk ah. about it. Well, I mean, you know, kind of a good thing in disguise for Florida. He, they went on a 19-0 run as soon as he got hurt. Okay. Correlation there? I don't know. Who? Yeah, I'm thinking maybe correlation, not causation there. Because I, okay. think, I think it's a significant loss. Like, I would downgrade Florida a little bit. Not massively, but... No, I know. It's true. I, I'm with you that... Felipe Franks is a is a tough loss because Kyle Trask, man, it's been quite a while since he's been a starting quarterback somewhere, uh, so he's going to have a lot of lot of, lot to shoulder on right now. So, uh, man, Sawyer Smith though, oof, they missed they missed, I got to say they missed um, Terry Wilson. Those three interceptions were costly. Outside of those three picks, though, he was all right. But right, exactly. I mean, three picks pretty rough. So maybe he can improve on that. And all of a sudden they'll they'll look pretty good because he you know outside of those those three throws it was pretty good but mm-hmm. yeah they, Kentucky would have won this game without those those picks no yeah you're you're probably right they would have won this game if uh, Chance Poor would have made the field goal oh that I too. mean if his maybe if his parents would have named him something different then he would have made it but <laughs> yeah I don't know Chance good um no but uh, but no so with with Kyle Trask going forward like I said I would I would downgrade Florida a little bit. I don't know if it it maybe equates to one more expected loss on the season, something like that. The exciting part, we're going to get to see the more athletic Emory Jones get some more playing time that could open up a, a new dimension. I know he's still kind of raw, but um, but the problem is even with Franks, the team just hasn't looked that good. So, you know, the the beginning of the year goal was probably contend with Georgia for the East. Hard to see that happening. Totally. I agree. I I'm maybe not as doom and gloom. I don't, I think, uh, you know, Trask, when he, when they were losing to Kentucky on the road, he came in and did exactly what he had to do. I mean, what was he like nine of 13 and he, he led the team. And I mean, he obviously somehow he even blew Chance Poor's kick wide, wide right. And I mean, Trask is a, a mm-hmm. magic maker. Yep. No, he, uh, that, that, this, this one crushed me because that was my upset special having Kentucky and oh, rough, rough way. Yeah, that was that was a rough beat, but even rougher beat for anyone that had Kentucky plus eight, Oof. or yeah, or worse. Yeah, rough push or loss there. Yeah, yeah, that was brutal. Uh, okay, moving on to Iowa at Iowa State. Weird game with uh, two kind of long lightning delays, but on the field it played out pretty much exactly as you would expect. It was low scoring, kind of a boring game for most of it, and Iowa State lost a heartbreaker in the end. They were down 18-17. They were about to get the ball back with a minute and a half left. All they would need is a field goal, but one of their own players took out the punt returner. Iowa recovered the ball, and that was it. I mean, and this game, like I said, like it went exactly as you would expect. I don't think any less or more of Iowa or Iowa State. I think they're both borderline top 25 teams and 
that's kind of what played out. Yeah, I just think it was too bad that this game had all those stoppages for the weather. It kind of hampered it. Uh, yeah. But, you know, in Iowa, Iowa State, they outgained out the Hawkeyes by over 100 yards. But, you know, those, those turnovers were just that they had two turnovers that were the difference. And in Iowa, they just do what they do. What they do. They control the time of possession. They don't turn it over. And they find a way to, to make a play when they need it. So that's what happened here. And they do it to Iowa State every year. It's just, it's brutal. I feel for Iowa State, man. It's it's rough. Yeah, Matt Campbell, 0-4 against against Iowa now. Some close ones for the majority. Yeah, some of them for sure. Uh, okay, let's get to the rapid recaps and quickly go through the other big games. Go ahead, Ryan. Alrighty, we got Washington State and Houston. This one was played on Friday night. Uh, Wazoo won 31-24. Mike Leach is just a magic worker. He's got another quarterback looking like a Heisman Trophy contender. Anthony Gordon threw for over 400 yards and for his third straight game. So that's just quite incredible. And the Kook defense looks good again. So held that powerful Houston offense, to just 24 points. So Cougs are three and zero. And then we had which uh, Cougs, non- which Cougs. Oh yeah. Good point. Excuse me. The Wazoo Cougs. Yeah, I figured, but yeah, yeah. They won the game. I figured. Uh, all right. Non-conference game here. We have North Carolina at Wake. I, I, can you guys ever, ever remember a game that was like a non-conference game between two conference I teams? I don't remember one, no. But yeah. Yeah. Neither do I. <laughs> All right. Didn't didn't look it up either. Sorry. Wake uh, Wake was up 21 nothing at halftime in this game, uh, but they kind of went to sleep after that. They ended up just barely hanging on to a 24-18 win. So they are sitting at 3-0 now. Good start for uh, our little bro, Jamie Newman and the Deacons. And they face Elon this week so looking like four and now for them yeah but how about the end of this game the refs just quickly botched it yeah they they just ran off the field for i I don't know what their big rush was but uh at the end of that game i'm trying to remember exactly the scenario trey do you remember well yeah north carolina north carolina dumped it down uh, and the the receiver ended up. He kind of knew he 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 didn't really know what to do. He didn't know if he should go out of bounds or just try and somehow score. So he he should have just run out of bounds first, and there would have been no question there was time on the clock. But he kind of hesitated, and as it turns out, he stepped out with one second left, and the the refs ruled that he was kind of stood up, but because he was going backwards, so they would run the clock. But since it was a first down, the clock would stop with one second. And the the trick was they would have had to snap it as soon as they blew the they blew the play, um, so they should have at least had a chance at a hail mary. But the refs just ran off. Yeah, that was the okay. Well, that was well um, recapped there. But yeah, I it just made no sense that that they wouldn't review it. But anyway, and then Joey Galloway went on TV afterwards and kept explaining it wrong, saying no, they said forward progress, so the clock keeps running, but it was a first down. So anyway. I'm not going to trust Joey Galloway with any analysis, really. <laughs> okay. Um, but there's been some weird ref uh, things going on this weekend. There was a couple of bad stuff, NFL included. Yeah. So, uh, all right, moving on here. we got Maryland at Temple. Maryland's hot start came to a, a screeching halt here. They didn't score an offensive point uh, in the first half. They did get a safety. Uh, they woke up a little bit in the second half, but it just wasn't enough to, to beat Temple. Who uh, hung on for the twenty to seventeen win? Uh, and then I'm going to go over just real briefly here with uh, all those top the top six teams. They all had easy easy wins. Clemson dominated Syracuse forty one six. 
Uh, Tua in Alabama controlled South Carolina easily, 47-23. Georgia got a shutout, 55-0 against Arkansas State, but they had a cool scene there with uh, the pink out in support of Arkansas State's coach, uh, Blake Anderson, who lost his wife uh, last month to breast cancer. So that was that was classy by Georgia. Um, LSU, they had a slow start. They were losing at the end of the first quarter to Northwestern State, uh, but they poured it on in the second half, 165-14. Jalen Hurts, man, woof, continues his incredible start. He and OU, they just dominated UCLA, which I guess we all expected, but yeah, man, he's looking good. Uh, and then Ohio State, much improved defensively, uh, and Justin Fields is just looking awesome so they whooped up on indiana 51 10 all right my first game usc losing in overtime at byu 30 to 27 two straight weeks of one of my favorite teams losing in overtime which super fun uh yeah, great yeah it's great um <laughs> I love no, it. but keaton slovis he just made too many freshman mistakes he had three picks including of course the last play in overtime where he just tried to force it into too tight of a window on third down and so right now usc they're just a top 30 team or so, I think. They're not bad, but unfortunately, they with Utah at Washington and at Notre Dame coming up, they might start the season two and four. So We all kind of knew that heading in. We knew it was a possibility, for sure, yeah. Yep. Um, next game, UCF blew out Stanford 45-27. Dylan Gabriel, whoa, the true freshman quarterback for, for UCF, was amazing. What happens if McKenzie comes back, man? I know I'm not willing to go there yet, but yeah, I mean, if Dylan Gabriel keeps having games like this, 347 yards, four touchdowns, no picks, then yeah, it might get a little interesting. You have to keep Gabriel. I mean, well, I mean, let's just, let's have him play. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's playing well now, but we'll see. Stanford obviously just had another true freshman, Keaton Slovis, do the same thing against him. So fair enough. Um, But yeah, but he looks great. I'm not trying to argue against Gabriel. Um, On the other side, though, Stanford. They're looking like a six and six team. Yep. And then Georgia Southern at Minnesota. Minnesota's three and zero now. They got the win, but they are dangerously close to being zero and three. They won this one thirty five thirty two on a late uh, touchdown pass to Tyler Johnson with thirteen seconds left. At one point on that last drive, they faced a third and twenty nine from their own six yard line. They just have miracle workers this year so far. They are. They so are so lucky. It's, uh, yeah they've had some some luck in close games they've made they've made some great plays too yeah but my my takeaway here minnesota has two great receivers tyler johnson and rashad bateman tanner morgan's a very solid quarterback and yet they just kind of continue to try and fail to be a run first team so i think they need to open up the offense a little more and then because i morgan isn't that great of a passer is he not i mean no he's really not okay well Seems okay to me, but I'll take your word for <laughs> I mean, it. You know, he's got some good receivers to work with. Though. He does. I'll give you he that. Does. That's he's make. They're making him look better than he is. I mean, they've been a lot more successful through the air than on the ground this year. I'll say that. Maybe because they stick to the ground, opens up the passing game. Oh, okay. All right. Well, we'll just we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> uh, last game I have here. Uh, some bad results for a struggling ACC. The Citadel. Yikes. Used the triple option to beat Georgia Tech 27-24 in overtime. Virginia Tech had to overcome a 14-3 halftime deficit just to beat Furman by seven. North Carolina State lost to what looked like a terrible West Virginia team, 44-27. And then worst of all, on Friday, Boston College got murdered at home by Kansas, 48-24. So 
yeah, Clemson just has no competition. Zero. I mean, it's crazy. Who's the second best? Virginia? Virginia, yeah. They... Yeah, Virginia's the second best, but then who's the third best yeah. is the question. And I don't know. That is a tough question. It's a tough question. So we, it's just comparing it to, not to have a discussion about this, but comparing it to the SEC, you say, okay, who's the third best team in the SEC? And it's like LSU, you know? It's just yeah. like crazy, the difference there. Yeah, that is cra- Yeah, I didn't even think about that. That's nuts. All right, my my first game is Arizona State at Michigan State. This is one of those controversial ones you were talking about, Ryan. Yeah. ASU, they ended up pulling off the upset 10-7. to Jaden Daniels didn't do anything until the very end where he led an impressive 75-yard touchdown drive to, to take the lead with under a minute to go. Michigan State, though, they drove down, looked like they made a field goal in the last play of the game to tie it. Only problem was they had 12 men on the field, so they had to retry, and they shanked the second attempt. <laughs> and, but the controversy with that was on the second attempt, there was a, a clear ASU defender clearly leapt over the line illegally. It should have been called. It wasn't called. D'Antonio had some few choice words. But, I mean, either way, Michigan State should have won this game. They outgained ASU. They only scored seven points. I mean, we, we had a lot of interaction on Twitter with some Sparty fans voicing their frustration this weekend. and. I understand why. You know, missing field goals and coaches kicking it with 11 seconds left. That was a weird decision to, at the end there. But uh, yeah, it's one yeah. of those where I, I feel like either decision would have been reasonable to either just kick it right away there or to try and, you know, run another but play. But not wait until the last second to make that call. They had their kick team running out at the very last second there. You know what I mean? No, that's the problem. You got to be decisive with it. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Uh, all right. The next game, Florida State at Virginia. Man, the Seminoles just cannot finish games. Once again, they held a lead in the fourth quarter. They squandered it. They lose 31 to 24. Virginia scored with two and a half minutes left to go up by seven. And then Blackman, who who played a pretty solid game, he, he completed a 16-yard pass to the Virginia four-yard line with five seconds left clock stops because of the first down but they they didn't spike it they just kind of sat around they didn't really know what to do and they ended up hiking it to cam Akers, and he just got stuffed i mean it's just another blemish on taggart with that that last sequence yeah it was a combination kind of similar it's a combination of referee mistakes and and kind of a coaching issue there because the he was down i think did you say it was Akers that that got tackled down or no, whoever it was no it was, no, the, it was some it was receiver a, i can't remember that's right okay well anyway he got tackled and the clock should have stopped with like seven or eight seconds and that would have given them more time to yeah do a spike or whatever but they, it kept running down and it ran down to four seconds so that really just kind of maybe i mean they still could have spiked it but it got a little dicey there yeah it just it looked like a a a total panic job and yeah it was yeah all right my next one is kansas state at mississippi state and k-state pulled off the upset 31 to 24 it wasn't a pretty game each team had three turnovers and joe moorhead actually had to pull tommy stevens during the game both because of performance and maybe because of his shoulder and went to garrett schrader and he provided a little life a little life there but he did he just couldn't get it done K-State, their offense didn't do much, but they managed to win. So it's a great, great win, uh, you know, trying to rebuild that program. Yeah, the image of the weekend, Garrett Schrader spinning around like a helicopter. That's true. That play was crazy. If you haven't seen that, <laughs> that you got to cool. look that up. Oh, that was, was great. I mean, I admire him going for it, but wow. Oh, it was awesome. Yeah, it was awesome effort. Uh, okay, next one. TCU at Purdue. The Horned Frogs dominated Purdue 34 to 13 mainly because Purdue ended up having to sit Elijah Sindelar with a, with a concussion. So that pretty much 
killed most of Purdue's chances. That being said, though, TCU was great. They ran for 346 yards. They had the ball for over 40 minutes, and, and Purdue only mustered 200 yards themselves. And then finally, Texas Tech at Arizona wasn't as high scoring and exciting as maybe most of us ex- expected, but Arizona got a good 28 to 14 win. It was nice to finally what see to Col- t- the Red Raiders offense, man. How do they only score 14 points against Arizona? Yeah, it was weird. I mean, the Arizona secondary looked much better than they did particularly against Hawaii. I don't know. I don't know what changed, but uh, right. but it was nice in this game to see Khalil Tate actually run. He ran it 17 times, highlighted by his 84-yard touchdown run. So, and yeah, Alan Bowman didn't look all that great, but even worse news for for Texas Tech is as we record this, there's it's looking like he's going to be out for for several weeks. So, tough blow for the Red Raiders. Yeah, that that stinks. All right, let's move on to our segment for this episode, which is giving our college football stock tips. I've got Jim Cramer's soundboard ready. We've got three games for, for most teams, so kind of the first quarter of the season played. So let's play mad college football, and we'll start with the question, which team's stock do you think is the most undervalued? What do you think, Trey? I thought about UCF, but I'm actually going to go with Oregon. Now, the reason I'm, I went with that, that sound is because I'm going to ride the back of Justin Herbert. I mean, he's just had a, a great, <laughs> okay. a great start to the season. People are kind of writing off the Pac 12 after recent weeks, but, but Oregon in particular, I'm higher on them right now than actually I was prior to the season, even with that, that Auburn loss. They're, they're 16th in the AP, but most computer rankings have them in the top 10 including number six uh, in, in the Sagarin. So, you know, if Bo Nix was stopped one inch shorter on his fourth down play, you know, this the narrative in Oregon would be much different right now. Uh, that's a great point. Yeah, and I agree with you. I am, I'm higher on them too than I was at the beginning of the season. So, I mean, I wasn't too high on them going in, but still, that says something. Okay, I am going to buy Oklahoma State. Buy, buy, buy! I think they should be ranked. They're still unranked. But the offense is just incredible. Spencer Sanders is obviously a great dual threat at quarterback. And he's got two of the best weapons in college football. Chuba Hubbard at running back leads the nation with 521 rushing yards and seven touchdowns. And then Tylen Wallace leads the nation with 390 receiving yards and six touchdowns. So that's pretty insane. And, you know, the defense isn't great. So they're going to be in a lot of shootouts. But with the offense, yeah, sorry, Ryan. Wow, I thought that was out my window. Oh, boy. Man, you just... uh, I live in LA, the mean streets of LA, so... Yeah, yeah, true. The mean streets of Marina Del Rey. (laughs) Um, But uh, but no, they with the offense they have, they can win any game. They can. Um, All right, I'm going to go... I think Mizzou here is being undervalued at this point. After their week one loss to Wyoming, everyone was freaking out. But oh, they were minus three in the turnover battle in that game, and they just got unlucky. They they were clearly better. But the last two weeks, they whooped up on West Virginia, who had a decent win against NC State, and they beat Southeast Missouri State, which isn't saying much, but they only gave up seven points in those two games combined. I still think they're a really good team. I still think they're going to win eight games and have a good year. So I think in a few weeks, a month, people will be trying to jump back on the, the Mizzou bandwagon. All aboard! I agree with you, Ryan. I I was very close to saying Missouri for this for this question. So I think I said them early. As soon as we were going to do this uh, segment, I was like, "Oh, I want Mizzou." Before you got it, so yeah, you stole Missouri from me. But 
that's okay yep um okay how about which team stock is the most overvalued what do you think trey all right mine is michigan the house of pain so it's a house of pain following Michigan lately because, you know, they just have these crushing losses, whether it was to, you know, Sparty a couple years ago uh, with the, that punt and the surrender Cobra or Ohio State last year when they think they're going to get to the playoff. It's just it's it's hard to be a Michigan fan at this point with with the expectations. And but I'm I'm just behind Michael in terms of believe, believing in Harbaugh. But through two games this year, I'm just I'm not in love with them. Like, hear me out. If you did a blind test. And I told you that Team A beat Middle Tennessee by 19 when they were a 34-point favorite, and they only beat Army by three in double overtime as a 22-point favorite. You probably wouldn't make that team a top 10, 11 team where they're they're sitting right now. I, you know, I love the Michigan program, but I'd say they're overvalued at this moment. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to give a definitive answer on that right now because whatever I say, it's going to either it might be proven just dead wrong uh this week because they go at wisconsin they kind of yeah, get I know. there we'll learn a lot this week yeah we will learn a lot but i think ryan and i ryan from the sounds of it early in this podcast sounds like we're both s- still kind of on board with michigan but obviously worried a little bit definitely have a little trepidation going on there but this is like the first real big test so we'll see yeah um okay well my overvalued team, I hate to do this because I have heard from some some Cal listeners that they've they've grown tired of my anti-Cal opinions. So I'm sorry, but I'm going to sell Cal. <laughs> those, those are the Cal fans right now. They're outside my window. So. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, the boo birds. Yeah. But, uh, but no. Okay. So they're 23rd in the country in the human polls, but that just really does not match up with where the betting market has or the predictive ratings. So S&P Plus, or SP Plus, excuse me, got rid of the ampersand. Um, although where this is kind of a, a stock market segment, so you could see why I made that mistake. But go. they're 60th, and which even I think is low. I mean, I, I think they're better than that. Um, but Sagarin has them 49th. Massey Peabody has them outside their top 35. And they're a two-point underdog against a mediocre Ole Miss team this week. So... Most of the objective ratings, the betting market, not viewing them highly. Now, I think there's there's a possibility. I know there's, the, to the Cal fans listening, I could be dead wrong here because this reminds me of last year with Kentucky. I just never really believed in them it, the whole season. And then suddenly they had 10 wins. So right. maybe that'll happen, but I'm just, I'm going against that. So I'm bearish on the Bears. Ooh. Ah. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm going to have to go with another Pac-12 team here. I'm going to go with um, Arizona State. Yeah, yeah, they're kind of they're kind of riding high right now. They're three and zero. They just won at a ranked Michigan State team, but they've played three teams with really bad offenses. Uh, I, I'll give them credit for for a good win, but that was a pretty fortunate win, as we know. Michigan State missed a couple field goals and pretty much did everything they could not to win that game. Sparty doubled them nearly in, in total yards, and so. It was a fortunate win, so I think this is going to be kind of the high point of ASU's seasons, and uh, I think it's only going to go down from here. I mean, they're not going to totally, you know, bottom out, but I don't see them being a top 25 team. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, Okay, let's move on to our week four picks. Ton of great games this weekend. We'll start on Friday with Utah minus four at USC. What do you think, Ryan? Ah, great Friday game. Looking forward to this one. Um, 
yeah, sorry, Mike, USC's coming off that heartbreaking loss, obviously, to BYU. And this is the game where I, I think the wheels might start to come undone for, for Clay Helton. BYU's physicality gave USC some trouble, as we saw last week, and Utah is probably even more physical, plus they have some better talent to work with. I think Zach Moss is, is going to have a big game, and that stout Utah defensive line is going to make it really hard on Keaton Slovis. We saw him make those, Michael mentioned, those few freshman mistakes, and I think Utah is going to force a few more of those. So I'm going to take Utah here, minus the points, and I'm going to make them my lock. Getting the lock out of the way early this this week. I'm I'm more interested in this game, though, from a Utah angle. I, I want to see if Utah's offense can really break out. The Trojans, they've given up a ton of yards per game. And in my opinion, if if Utah really wants to win this conference, they need to show a little bit more on, on, on offense, particularly with Huntley through the air. So until they can do that, I'm, I'm going to take the points with USC because I like their offense and I think they can at least keep the game close. Yeah, this this one's a one of the toughest for me to pick of this episode because I think that point spread sounds about right. Um, I think Utah's going to be able to get pressure on Keaton Slovis without having to blitz because of their great D-line, so that'll be an issue for USC's offense. But I do still have some faith in Graham, Graham Harrell's play calling. The offense still looked good last week. It was just, like I said, the mistakes by uh, by Slovis. So I'll say Utah wins, but USC gets a backdoor cover. Uh, next game, we have another Pac-12 matchup, Oregon minus 10.5 at Stanford. What are your thoughts here, Trey? Yeah, I mean, I mentioned it earlier. I Justin Herbert, he's had a great start to the year, completing over 70% of his passes. The offense has had over 500 yards per game. The Ducks are licking their chops now against a Stanford defense that just got torched by UCF and USC. I haven't seen anything out of the Cardinal this year that gives me any confidence that the, that they could at least compete with the Ducks. So I don't usually like giving this many points, especially on the road, but I'm taking Oregon. I think they're superior. I agree. Yeah, I think their offensive line is going to dominate the uh, the Stanford defensive front. And then KJ Costello, well, first of all, didn't look good last week and doesn't have a healthy O-line in front of him. So yeah, going with Oregon. Yep, it's a clean sweep here. I'm a, I'm big on Oregon as well, and I think they're probably a team that's being maybe a little undervalued simply just because they have one loss. Uh, you know, it's like, but yeah. He, well, clearly Trey agrees. He made that uh, his 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 stock pick. That's what I said. Yeah, you know me, guys. I tend to tune you out every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently. <laughs> uh, okay, Oklahoma State at Texas. Texas is favored only five, and. Uh, you know, that's basically saying the the betting market sees Texas only slightly better on a neutral field than than Oklahoma State. Yeah, that's surprising to me. It's it's surprising that the market feels that way, but it does line up with how I feel. I'm not super high on Texas and I am high on Oklahoma State. I think this this is going to be a shootout clearly. The over under 70 and a half. Um obviously Texas's offense Ellinger's going to have a huge game. He was able to light up LSU's secondary, so can only imagine what he'll do against the Pokes. Um but on the other side, Oklahoma State or Texas's weakness right now is, of course, that young secondary. We've talked about it a lot. So I think Tylen Wallace is going to have another huge game against them. Last year, he had 220 yards receiving in this matchup. So I like Okie State to keep up and I'm going to take the points. I was going to make it my lock earlier in the week. This line was plus seven, but at plus five, not as confident. Right. You know, kind of going back to what you were talking about, Mike, like you said last year, Tom Wallace had such a huge game. 
I mean, the Pokes, they had big games against the big-time teams last year. They played the ranked teams far better than they played the non-ranked teams, and I'm just going to count on that trend kind of continuing, especially with Spencer Sanders and that explosive explosive attack that they got going on right now. I, I don't see how Texas is going to shut them down. So I think that Oklahoma State will be able to keep pace and score with Texas. So I, I've also got to take uh, take the pokes here. I agree with everything you guys said, and that's why I'm on the pokes too. I thought there was going to be a butt there. Did you feel a butt coming? No, no, I, <laughs> no, I no, I I didn't feel a butt, Ryan. Okay, sorry. All right, Just... I'll butt out. Oh yeah, oh nice. Thanks. Uh, enough about Trey's butt, though. Let's get to. <laughs> he doesn't have one. Auburn. Oh, wow. Shots fired. Trey, <laughs> wow. better do some squats. Um, Auburn at Texas A&M. A&M's favored by four. Ryan, I have no idea what's going to happen in this game. I said Utah was my toughest pick. Utah, USC. This actually might be tougher, but I hope you know what's going to happen. Yeah, it's just, I mean, I hope and it seems like it would be a really good game. You know, they're both three and zero against the spread so far. So somebody's going to get their first ATS loss. Um, and I'm going to say it's going to be the Auburn Tigers. Uh, they both have good defenses. Auburn's is a little better, I yep. think, on defense, especially with that D-line. You know, maybe putting it mildly. But still, Texas A&M's no slouch. Hopefully, uh, Derek Brown is healthy in this game. He's true day-to-day true, right point. now, so that could make a big difference. But yeah. still, yeah, I agree. Fair point. Um, then if you flip over to the offense, I definitely have to give the edge to, the edge to Kellen Mond uh, over Bo Nix. I like Nix, but he is just a true freshman playing and, and playing in College Station is his first true road game. No easy task for, for a young QB. So with that in mind, I, I think the Aggies are going to get the job done. Yeah, I'm I just think it's going to be a low scoring game. That's kind of the only confident thing I can say about this one. I just... I think Kellen Mond is going to struggle against Auburn's defense because I think Auburn's defense is right up there with Clemson, and we saw what happened in that game for for Kellen Mond. And then Auburn's offense has just been pretty mediocre as well. So uh, in a low-scoring game, I'm going to take the points. So that is that does mean plus four with Auburn. And, yeah, with uh, and just kind of touching on the injury front, um, Seth Williams for them, I'm hoping he comes back at receiver. That would be huge. Prince Tega Wanago, their best O-lineman also questionable so and of course already mentioned Derek Brown so that's kind of a big factor right now true but I agree with your points Michael uh you know one point I do want to make is just in general how much A&M's defense has improved this year I mean Mike Elko has done a done a great job they've gotten so much better the last couple of years I mean it wasn't wasn't so hot before Jimbo and it's definitely improved right but Kellen Mond just he hasn't had maybe as good of a year as I as I thought he might I know facing facing Clemson was tough but it was not not a pretty game for him and I think Auburn can do the same so that's why I'm also going to take the points with Auburn okay next game Michigan at Wisconsin Wisconsin's favored three and a half so the market thinks Wisconsin's a a little better Trey what do you think here I haven't seen anything from Michigan to make me confident in taking them and I know Wisconsin's only beaten two lesser teams inferior foes but they've absolutely crushed them yeah and their defense their defense seems to improve from improve from last year and 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 the worries I had in the offseason about Jack Cohn and their offensive line have kind of been squashed up to this point but now I want to see them against this you know Michigan stout defense uh 
I think they're going to be effective enough, though, and I, I trust their defense. I, I just haven't been overwhelmed by Shea Patterson and that Michigan offense yet. So I'm actually going to make Wisconsin my lock of the week. Oh, wow. I know. Okay. You know, it, it's still really early in the year, and so I, I just I don't know what to expect in this game. You were talking about that last game. Like, ah, this one to me is, I don't know what's going to happen. Is Wisconsin really that good? Is Michigan's offense really not that good? Um, I think the answer is probably maybe somewhere in the middle for both of those. So, you know, I think this one is going to come down to the wire. They seem evenly matched to me. Uh, and in an evenly matched game like this, I, I got to go at the point. So uh, I'll take Michigan plus the three and a half. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm going to take Michigan with the points as well. It's just, it's, yeah, it's hard to to know what to make of Wisconsin with two incredible performances, like you say, Trey, against UCF and Central Michigan, who are both terrible. So you obviously have USF, to... USF, yeah. USF. Oh, did I say UCF? You sure did. We we are just really bad at that. This is just going to be a, a, a problem for us, guys. We might just have to get out of <laughs> podcasting just... if we continue at this rate, <laughs> or I will at least. Uh. Oh, anyway, you know what I meant. So, yeah, I mean, I just... I need I need to see Jack Cohn go up against a decent defense before I'm willing to do this massive upgrade to bring Wisconsin up, you know, on the same level or ahead of Michigan like this this point spread has. So I still would have Michigan as a small favorite in this game. I you know, maybe I'll be proved wrong this weekend, but but that's that's what I believe still. Their defense has has still been very good despite being put in some bad positions um by the by that offense and i think the problems for michigan's offense are fixable shea patterson's fumbling that's kind of fluky they've had a lot of penalties and they've been missing donovan people's jones now we don't know if he'll be back in this game but so that's that's a question mark but i'll be optimistic and say he does come back i think that would be a nice boost so um yeah i'm I'm gonna take michigan next game notre dame at georgia georgia's favored 13 and a half game day course is going to be at this one and you know neither team has played a great opponent this year so it's it's kind of hard to judge what they've done so far but the one thing we do know georgia has the best offensive line in the country maybe the best stable of running backs and notre dame got gashed game one against louisville on the ground so deandre swift i think is going to have a huge game and then on the other side i don't see notre dame running the ball very well so i think it's going to have to rely on ian book who's been good but Going up against Massey Peabody's number one rated defense, I don't think he'll be good enough. So I will take Georgia. I'll give that big point spread. Man, I maybe I'm a sucker, but I'm I'm taking the Irish. It just feels feels too high to me. I Ian Book, he's he's played really well the the first two games, and Brian Kelly's certainly making a point to use him in the running game. Uh, but if I did have concerns, it's it's kind of what you said, Michael. It's can can Notre Dame get establish a running game? Because outside of Book, Tony Jones has been kind of just okay and now having to go against the georgia defense will be tough and then number two being able to slow down the the georgia offense like you've talked about they've they've given up a ton of yards and they only played new mexico and louisville so a little concern there for sure but i just think it's a lot of points so what do you think ryan well i don't know it just kind of reminds me of when we had that preview episode one of our listeners asked us over under on georgia's rushing yards in this game i think he put it at like 200 so it just kind of made me think of that now, and it's after what I've seen from the first couple of weeks, how good Georgia is running, that's not much of a surprise, but maybe Notre Dame struggling a little bit against the run, which I, I did mention that they're better pass rushers than, than run stuffers, but still, it was a little worrisome. So 
I don't see how they're going to be able to really control Georgia up front. I think Georgia's going to have a huge, huge game running the ball. And if they do go under 200, then Notre Dame might have a chance. But I, I don't think they're going to. I, I think Georgia's going to have their way. And Trey, you mentioned Ian Book having a really good year so far. I might say he's had a decent year so far. Um, and, and like Michael mentioned, going up against this number one rated type defense is a whole other animal. So uh, I'm, I'm taking the Georgia minus the points as well here. Six touchdowns against New Mexico doesn't impress you, Ryan? Not at all. <laughs> okay, fair. <laughs> How'd he do against Louisville? Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, let's get to the honorable mentions. Trey, go ahead. All right, I've got a couple intriguing G5 games. First off, Thursday, Houston at Tulane. Tulane's favored five. I like Tulane here. I like what Willie Fritz is building at Tulane. He's slowly turning them into being relevant. They impressed in week one. They dominated Butch Davis's FIU squad. And Derek King hasn't fully broken out uh, so far like we we had all thought. And even if he does here, Houston's defense is struggling. So I'm going to take the green wave. Next one on Friday night, Air Force at Boise. Boise's currently an eight-point favorite. Air Force comes into this one after beating Colorado in overtime. They were able to keep a, a good Colorado offense in check. Boise, they've they've been kind of playing with fire. They were lucky to escape against Marshall, won 14-7. I think the Falcons will keep the ball away from Boise's offense and use their option run game. And I'm going to take Air Force against the, the spread. And then LSU minus 23 and a half at Vanderbilt. I'm going to lay the points with LSU. Vanderbilt has had to play Georgia and Purdue, but they've given up over 500 yards per game. Their best offensive player, Keyshawn Vaughn, hasn't been able to get loose. I don't see that happening against LSU. So give me the Tigers. Tennessee at Florida. The Gators are currently a 14-point favorite. I really want to give Tennessee another shot, but I just can't trust them. Even with Felipe Franks going out, I just I think there's too big of a coaching advantage in this one, and Gator fans are going to be pumped to uh, to whip their rival in the swamp. So give me the Gators, and then finally Kentucky at Mississippi State. Mississippi State's favored seven. We don't know the status of Tommy Stevens uh, as we record this. He's had a bad shoulder. It's it clearly he hasn't been effective, and these teams are so similar. They both come in depressed after losing a game tough game at home they're each trying to replace great defensive talent from last year and both their quarterbacks are not 100 percent. so i'm not overly confident but i'm going to take mississippi state because i like their offense a little bit more all right my first game is ucf at pitt ucf's favored by 12 last year they beat them 45 to 14 and i know they had mckenzie milton i know it was at home but even without milton the offense looks on honestly nearly as good and Kenny Pickett was decent last week, but still, the offense only put up 10 points. So I don't think Pitt has shown the ability to keep up with this UCF offense. Give me the Knights. Did I say everything right there? I didn't call them USF or anything? Not that I noticed. Well, Ryan doesn't listen to anything we say, so that didn't really matter. But yeah, so, no, we've, you, we've no, established that. No, you, you, you said it correctly. Uh, South Carolina at Missouri. Missouri's favored nine and a half. And Ryan Holinsky played decent uh, for South Carolina at quarterback last week considering it was against Alabama but I mean 5.7 yards per attempt and he did have two turnovers so there's still definitely room for improvement and I'm going to take Missouri here I know they lost to Wyoming but Ryan I agree with everything you said about about that loss and about Mizzou in general I think they're undervalued so 
I will lay the points with what I think is still one of the 15 or 20 best teams in the country, and I'm going to make that my lock. Next game, Michigan State minus nine at Northwestern. The over-under in this game is ten and a half. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, well, actually, no, not, it's close, though. It's 38 and a half, but <laughs> that's one of the lowest you'll ever see. I'm going to take Michigan State. I just think Northwestern's offense is even worse than theirs. Hunter Johnson has been surprisingly terrible. Wow. And the zigzag theory of Michigan State's offense says it's time for a good week. So you never know. Trust that. Colorado at Arizona State, Sun Devils favored seven and a half. And I just don't trust Arizona State's offense enough to lay that many points. They've got a couple freshmen getting snaps on the O-line, which has been bad. Ryan, like you said in your overvalued segment, they've just been their offense has been struggling. So I think they'll get the win, but I think Steven Montez and the Colorado receivers will keep it close. Okay, so my first game, I got UW minus five and a half at BYU. Can BYU beat two uh, ranked Pac-12 teams in a row? Uh, and then actually make that three power five teams in a row and you include Tennessee. I think they can. I'm a big, big fan of Zach Wilson. That kid's kind of turning into a star, tough kid. Um, but I do think Washington's offense is just better overall. I think they're a little more explosive. Well, I think they have a better ground game, I'll say. Um, however, I think the BYU Cougars will keep this one close. So I'm going to take the points, although I do think you double win. Man, if, if BYU does win, though, that would be an incredible 3-1 and one start given their no, first yeah, four games. It's true. It's a good point. Um, all right, my next game, we got uh, Utah State, their favorite four right now uh, at San Diego State. The Aztecs are 3-0 and and uh, doing it with really good defense. They've given up eight points a game so far. Um, and with their commitment to the ground game offensively, there just aren't a whole lot of possessions. So... Uh, I'm going to take the four points uh, with the Aztecs going up against uh, Jordan Love and company. Um, moving on to Michael's favorite team here. we got Cal uh, at Ole Miss. Ole Miss is favored two. Pretty big game here, especially for Ole Miss. Wins are uh, card- hard to come by, especially in the SEC West, so they could really use this one. I don't think they're going to get it, though. I, I see Evan Weaver in that Cal defense kind of dominating uh, and leading them to uh, the road victory. I agree. Don't hate me, Cal fans. I agree. Sure you do, Mike. Um, and let's see. My last game here, I got SMU at TCU. TCU's favorite 9.5. SMU's a sneaky 3-0 and right now. They dominated North Texas. They got a good road win at Arkansas State. Shane Bashells looked solid. Not amazing, but solid. But TCU is just a different animal than what they've been facing, uh, especially defensively. They haven't faced something like this. Uh, the Horned Frogs, I think, are going to kind of expose them a little bit so i like uh tcu to to cover that nine and a half points all right that'll do it for our week four picks let's close out the show with the questionable finish a four-year-old florida state fan set up a lemonade stand outside his grandma's house to raise money to pay for willie taggart's buyout if you had to raise money for a college football cause what would it be you know, at this point, I think it would be to get Michigan State a new offensive coordinator <laughs> from yeah. outside of the coaching staff that already exists. You don't want another shuffling? Shuffle the deck a no, little bit? It's, yeah, shuffling the deck, I feel like it, it might have worked after the first time, sure. But yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm, I would like to raise money, and, and I'm going to use it to bribe someone at USC, which I know they're amenable to, uh, to not hire Jeff Fisher or Jack Del Rio if there's a head coaching search. 
because that just would be terrible. Yeah, that could go bad. Oh, they better not. But Pete Carroll came from the NFL, did well. Yeah, different different situation. Okay. I'm going to go kind of a, a more light route, and I'm going to say I'm going to start a Make-A-Wish program for just college football. Like every week, multiple schools would give some tickets to a fan that's, you know, struggling physically, emotionally, or financially, or maybe invite those people to campus, meet the team, something like that. Some cool program. Wow, Trey's a way better person than us, I guess. Yeah, wow. I'm, yeah. I'm trying <laughs> to bribe somebody. Uh, <laughs> it's the USC way, Mike. You learn from the best over there. I do. Next question. A Yahoo Sports headline this week read, UCLA gave away tickets to Oklahoma game, but fans still didn't show up. Which game this weekend would you reject a free ticket to? I got to say Coastal Carolina at UMass. Mm. I mean, those... These two teams, they're at the bottom of, of the FBS, and UMass is absolutely horrendous this year. And I have to imagine the atmosphere and pageantry would be pretty boring. Yeah, probably. I I went with, well, I thought about Michigan State at Northwestern because that could be ugly, but I'll <laughs> say Charlotte at Clemson because 41-point spread, and it's at the same time as Oklahoma State, Texas, and Notre Dame, Georgia. So no chance. But it would be cool to see them run down the hill. Okay, then I'll leave and go home and watch those other games. There you go. There you go. Yeah, good, good one. <laughs> All right. Uh, for me, I went with the New Mexico State at New Mexico, the battle for New Mexico. <laughs> is, is that what nice. they call it? I don't know. Okay. I'm not sure. <laughs> All right. Well, now it's time for our upset special. Uh, you got to pick a seven-plus point underdog to win outright. Last week for me, Houston got the backdoor cover, but they didn't quite get the win against Wazoo. This week, I'm taking Louisville to win at Florida State as a seven-point dog. Even though Jawan Pass is day-to-day right now with an injury, I think Malik Cunningham still gives them a chance. And I think there's just a chance that the fans could turn on FSU quickly if the game doesn't start out well. Oh, absolutely. Ryan, just to, to clarify, that, that battle you, you mentioned, New Mexico, New Mexico State, it's the Rio Grande rivalry. Oh, oh of I course. Known. Of course. Yes, of course. I'm actually, I'm. this is kind of crazy, but uh, I'm going with Pitt against UCF. I'm just looking for a situation here. UCF, obviously they've crushed everyone, but they're coming off a high. They, they just beat Stanford in one of their biggest home games they've had. Uh, Kenny Pickett, Michael, you mentioned he did put up some good numbers. Obviously, they, they couldn't they couldn't score much, but I think they'll be able to do that against UCF, and I'll take a shot. Okay, for me here, I'm going to take Northwestern. They are getting uh, nine points right now uh, against Sparty, and I'm not sure Sparty can score ten, so <laughs> feel pretty feel pretty good about that one. Man, that's rough, Ryan. It's the zigzag theory. They're going to be good offensively this week. <laughs> Maybe they'll zag twice in a row. Who knows? Okay, well, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Uh, okay, not quite the end of the show now. We still have six five-star reviews to get to. Uh, go ahead and start us out, Ryan. Okay, here. One second, Okay, gentlemen. Ryan, you know it's coming. <laughs> oh, wow. You know it's coming. You got the outline, man. Yes, I sure did. <laughs> it's right in front of me. Okay. All right. You want me to read the first one? Yeah, I got it. Okay, go ahead. You interrupted me. I was going to go. <laughs> All right, first one is from uh, Kenny Texas, and he just gave us a prediction in the review. Uh, he says, TCU 35, Purdue 7, go Frogs. Pretty darn good. That was 
a ridiculously good prediction. What was it? Thirty four, thirteen. Was that? Yeah, that was very good. Yeah, it's a bold one too. Wow, props. That was all right. My next one is coming from Fire Harbaugh. What's up, bros? Coming all the way from the Mitten State, and I love this podcast. Quick question: My Wolverines are freaking me out this year. The offense looks worse than ever. No speed or space, plus no passing downfield. Do you guys think we will improve and beat Wisconsin this week? Why not try third stringer Joe Milton? <laughs> wow, Joe Milton throwing into the fire there against a good Wisconsin defense. I think that might be uh, a pretty bad idea. That might get ugly. Why that? Why are we all, why are we skipping the second stringer? We're just going straight to the yeah. third. Yeah, yeah. He he doesn't like him either. Doesn't like Come McCaffrey. On McCaffrey boy. Yeah. Um, I don't think they're going to really improve a lot, but. They might not need to score like 30-something points to win a game. They have a really good defense. So maybe when they play like the Buckeyes, they're going to have to step it up for sure. Yeah, they're going to have to improve if they want to accomplish their yeah. goals. But I think they will. I, I think it, more time with for Shea Patterson in the system. We kind of saw it last year at the very beginning of the year. Uh, Shea Patterson, first year in the you know Harbaugh-Michigan offense, struggled a little bit and got better as the year went on. Maybe that'll happen this year. Um, in uh, Josh Gaddis's offense. Uh, our next review comes from Chuck Hammer. He says, best college football podcast, extremely knowledgeable and humorous. Matthew's insight on picking games is great. And I love Randy's hilarious takes. But the brother I identify with most is Dre. I'm assuming he's the youngest sibling. My favorite segment is a questionable ending. Great stuff. Keep up the good work, bros. Go Big Red. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we'll keep it up. I like I like how Ryan, you've become Randy Newman. Yeah. That's Randy. great. I think he's making fun of the fact that we kept saying schools' names wrong last week and then I did it again this week. So uh, shout out to yeah. Chuck. Fair. All right. Good one. All right. Next one is from uh Sandor one 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 three. Uh the college football bros are very insightful and give a great recap and preview of the week of college football to come. It's a refreshing change of pace from the typical college football podcasts and a must-listen before making your weekly picks. Gig'em Aggies. That's right. All right. Our next one is Anya Walker. This podcast is a blessing. Thanks to this podcast, I can finally be a part of the college football conversation in my office. It's great to listen to on my commutes to class. As a Gators fan from a UCF household, how do I get my family to calm down about us not scheduling them? Thanksgiving last year was rough. I'm going to need help to get through it this year without losing it. Okay. So, I mean, I think the real answer of of why they're not scheduling them is UCF right now needs Florida more than Florida needs UCF because obviously that would be a huge opportunity for UCF to get a win against, you know, an SEC school, the the kind of big dog. It would boost the program. But for Florida, you know, it's almost a lose-lose situation. But I don't think that's the way you answer this because they're just going to keep getting mad. I think you should just agree with them. Just be like, yeah, I wish I wish we would schedule UCF. That would be fun. And then what can they say? Do something about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, I'm not the, I'm not the AD. What do you want yeah. me to do? Let's have some <laughs> pecan pie. Uh, okay. Uh, last review comes from Kenny's friend, Julia. And she says, Trey is an animal. <laughs> content is muy bueno only complaint is that i heard one of the bros forgot to take kenny out for his birthday dinner who would do such a thing cough trey cough you're dead to me oh uh, wow trey I, 
got a scorned friend out there. Apparently, I, 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 wow. I botched that. I botched that one, Kenny. I, I apologize, Kenny. I, I owe you two dinners now. Okay, well, where are you going to take him to? What's his favorite place? I don't know. We we usually like Phil's, which is a good barbecue place down here in in Southern California. All right, that's a good one. Maybe Hodad's. It's a great burger burger joint. Those are two of our favorites. I think I've been to Hodad's with you two guys one time. Could be, yeah. Kenny, uh, Kenny deserves it now. All right, maybe maybe Kenny can be like the replacement for Ryan, and the three of us will go out. Yeah, I was gonna say, guys, this is a uh, you know, how about an invite one of these times, huh? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, we got maybe, Kenny. We don't really need you. Yeah, so. maybe maybe next year on on Kenny's birthday next year we'll invite you, Ryan. Yeah, sounds good. All right, thanks for those reviews, everybody, and thanks for listening to the College Football Bros podcast. Enjoy watching what looks to be maybe the best weekend of the season so far. Enjoy the battle for New Mexico. Can't, can't wait for that <laughs> battle one. For New Mexico. And we'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to the College Football Bros. If you have any questions for the next podcast, email them to collegefootballbros at gmail.com. To keep up with the brothers on social media, like them on Facebook at College Football Bros. Follow them on Instagram at College Football Bros. And for their commentary on Saturdays, follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening.